Okay, okay, let me welcome everybody. Uh, we're so glad for all of you and all of our campuses to be here. Those of you who are watching on our live stream, we're glad to have you. If you didn't realize that Sunday is Mother's Day, you can thank us later, all right? Uh, my advice is, if you forgot, go big on lunch because, man, she deserves it. Did you hear about the uh, mom who uh, ran to grab the telephone when it rang and with relief she heard this really kindly voice in her ear say, how are you, darling? What kind of day have you had up to this point? And she said, oh, mom, uh, you're just breaking into tears. I've had such a bad day. The baby won't eat. The washing machine broke down. I haven't had a chance to go shopping. And I sprained my ankle this morning, so I'm hobbling around. On top of that, the house is a mess, and I'm supposed to have two couples over for dinner tonight. And the mother just responded with amazing kindness. Oh, darling, she said, just sit down, relax, close your eyes. I'll be over in a half hour. I'll do all your shopping. I'll clean up the house. I'll cook the dinner for you. I'll feed the baby. I'll call a repairman I know who will be over at your house very, very soon to fix the washing machine. Now just stop crying. I'll do everything. In fact, I'll even call George at the office and tell him he ought to come help us out. And she said, George, who's George? She said, well, George is your husband. Isn't this 223-1374? And she said, no, this is 223-1375. And the kind boy said, I'm sorry, I must have the wrong number. And there was a short pause in the house where I said, you, you mean you're not coming over? <laughs> now, you know, being a mom can be a great joy and it can be just a huge challenge. And one of the things we want to do today as we finish up our series, you know, This Is Us, is to honor all of our moms today. So let's have all of the moms, stepmoms, spiritual moms who are caring for kids here at church, would you stand up so that we can just thank God for you? On all of our campuses, East Effingham, uh, Statesboro, all of our campuses, let's stand up, here we go. God bless you guys, man, we love you, love you, love you, love you, love you, and thank God for you, and hope you're blessed, blessed, blessed this Mother's Day. All right, have a seat. You know, I asked a mom who helped me raise our kids, uh, if she, who also leads our women's ministry, uh, if she would come out and just share a little bit about some of the uh, things that, uh, you know, maybe the secret codes uh, that we can uh, use to honor our moms today. So here comes Sarah, y'all. Let's welcome her if she comes, shall we? Hey, girlfriend. Now, you work with the women uh, on all seven of our campuses, and today we're talking about words that can change us. Now, if you were to give us some of the secret codes, you know, just a few of the words that we could use to honor our mom here today, uh, what suggestions would you make? Well, Cam asked me ahead of time to think about some words that would just would, every mother would long to hear, and I just got so excited, so I have lots and lots of them. Okay, baby. <laughs> no, but I got yeah. excited because I get to speak for all of our hardworking women, our moms, yeah. our aunts, our grandmothers, and right. adopted grandmothers, and the truth is there are a lot of hardworking women in your life, but I, I wanted to start with this phrase because I think it's some words that we just all long to hear as women, and that is, I appreciate what you do for me. Yeah. And I just yeah. think that's yeah. a powerful sentence that you can say at any point and it will change somebody's life to just say, I appreciate what you do for me. Now, in Proverbs 31, it's a passage about a hardworking mom. It said, her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Mm -hmm. So that's my right. question has always been, when do they do that? <laughs> wait, wait Mine didn't do that at, you know, 4, 6, and 8, or 14, 16, and 18. So I did discover it's around 30. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> it's after you have a family of your own, and you're like, wow, I am sure amazed at all my mom did for me. Because that's the first time you know. That's the first time I knew to be really thankful for my mom. But I just, I, I just love that. And I know that, it, you know, for... Uh, 
those of you that, that have a mom to go to, you probably still won't see everything, but find a few things that you see and just say, I really appreciate that you do that for me. Yeah. And yeah. so those words are life-changing. So I did have one other thing. You said I could have two or three. So here's the one other thing I, I thought was just a, a really important thing to say, and we should all learn to say it uh, more, because we've got to give our moms the benefit of the doubt sometimes. And so the words are, I know you want what's best for me. Right. Because that's not what moms hear. Moms get excited and energized about now what, what's good for you and bad for you from what you eat to where you go. And there's always an opinion about that. Like, mom, you just want to ruin my life. You won't let me go places. And you don't say to start with, I know you're saying this because you want what's best for me. And so, um, you know, I raised three boys. And I'm not saying boys are worse than girls. I'm just saying they're more dangerous. And so um, if I'd rush into any situation and a life-threatening thing was happening, I might get a kind of intense, like setting your baby brother out the window to wander the neighborhood. And he's still four. And, I mean, just say, or you go all the way up to going off the mountain on a snowboard. It's, I mean, so, I mean, if you rush in with like any sort of precaution or be careful or whatever, you're just the bad guy. You don't want us to have any fun. And so my boys would say, mom, you're freaking everybody. I'm saying, are you sure that if I stop freaking everything would be fine? No, somebody will be dead. So I, I, I got a little phrase I said to the Huxford boys. It's my job to get you to 21 alive. And so... If I, and besides that, somebody around here has to worry because you don't and your father doesn't. So it is my job to worry. Godly man, y'all. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just think what's really great about these words uh, is that, uh, you know, if you start out with, I know you want what's best for me, it can kind of create some conversations rather than some fights. Right. And you start right. both on the same page saying, I really know you want what's best for me. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting um, because nobody has higher hopes for you. Nobody has bigger dreams for you than your mom. <laughs> nobody wants what's best for you more than your mom. And I was, you know, and, and so when we, when we look at this part of us, we can't help that we want what's best for you. And we want to we tell you in positive ways what's good for you. But I just want us, if we start from the premise that she wants what's best for us, and I think you can honor the women in your life by by doing that, by just saying, okay, let's start here, mom. Okay, now what do you want to tell me? Why are you worried about me going with my friend here? And it's a different conversation than, mom, you just want to ruin my life. So I just love the fact that we, we talk about stuff at this family. Compassion Christian is a healthy family, and healthy families start conversations. So I was hearing a, a, a friend of mine just talking about her busy mom life, and she said a phrase I will never, ever forget. She says, but my pom-poms are heavy. And I love that phrase has stayed with me because it showed me a part of my own heart. And I just want to tell you, we're going to keep on cheering you on. And we're going to be rooting for you the whole way. And we're going to be wanting the best for you. We're going to be praying God's best for you. And we're going to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it no matter how heavy the pom-poms get. So give your mom some words of encouragement today and give those women in your life. They need to hear that you appreciate what they do. All right, there it is. Okay. Thank you, darling. Now, now, I want you to think about what she just said. There are words that you can say that will bless your mom. They'll make your relationship with her stronger. And not just moms. Every relationship. Friends, words are tools that we can use to build relationships, maintain relationships, repair relationships. Consequently, our words matter, and they matter a lot 
Now, in my life group, we just finished a study of the book of James, and that was written by the brother of Jesus. And in chapter three, the Holy Spirit led James to compare words to small things in our world that have enormous power far out of proportion to their size. And the first thing the Holy Spirit brought to his mind was that two-inch steel bit uh, in the mouth of a horse. Now, he'd watched this all his life. He'd watched these Roman war horses roll through Israel and how that tiny little piece of metal can turn a thousand-pound stallion in any direction the rider wants to go. And then James' mind shifted over to ancient sailing ships. You know, in the first century, there were actually ships that plied across the Mediterranean Sea, weighed up to 400 tons, half a football field in length. And yet their whole course is determined by a relatively small rudder, just a little control surface about the size of the front door of your house. And yet it controls the direction of a massive ocean going ship. And then his mind went to a single spark. Now, I remember when our missions pastor, Dave Stewart, lived out in Colorado Springs right before he joined our team here at Compassion. His family had to evacuate their house because a forest fire raged through their community, literally burned for a month, consumed 138,000 acres of forest, all started literally with one match, one match. Now, friends, as James is reflecting on the outsized power of these little things, he realizes that all three of these analogies just pale in comparison to the power of the human tongue. Man, your tongue weighs less than three ounces and yet it's size to impact ratio, unparalleled in nature. Think about it. Adolf Hitler's mouth was used to incite a Holocaust and a world war that literally claimed millions of lives. Last week on April the 4th, we, it was 50 years, the last month on April the 4th was 50 years since the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King. He was 39 years old when he died, a young man, and yet, his tongue launched a civil rights movement that literally has changed the destiny of millions of Americans. And man, we have a long way to go. But I'll tell you, Dr. King's words launched values in our country and in our culture that have made America a better place to live and thank God for it. Now, if we were to ask James about the impact of our tongue on relationships, I think he would say that nothing in the relational world has as great a potential for both good and bad as our words. And this is why the book of Proverbs has words of wisdom about our tongue, literally from the wisest man who ever lived on almost every page. Friends, because our words change us. So turn with me, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. And we're going to start mining this book. And we're going to see what the wisest man in history has to say about how we can use our words to bless our mom and to bless everybody else in our life every day. Now, I think the first counsel we get from Solomon is interesting. He said, I think he would tell us if he were sitting here tonight, you need to let your words be few. Now, friends, this is totally counterintuitive. But the wisest man who ever lived suggested that many of us would be wiser if we said less. Proverbs 10, 19 says, talk too much. Uh, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut which sounds a lot like something my mom told me when I was in high school, but I mean, that's his advice. Proverbs 21, 23, watch your tongue, keep your mouth shut and you'll stay out of trouble. Here's one of my favorite verses in Proverbs 17, 28. Even a foolish person seems wise when he keeps his mouth shut. So I mean, the next time you're in some social setting, just, you know, nod and rub your chin and listen to what everybody's saying. And you know, on the way home, other people are gonna be thinking, dude, that dude was smart. Now, you know, last year I attended a board meeting of a Christian organization that our church supports from our mission ministry. 
And we were discussing a position that we needed to take on a moral issue that is just red hot in our culture. And if you can imagine, there was quite a bit of discussion going on, strong opinions, because the choice we make is going to affect the future of that ministry. So a lot's at stake. <coughs> now, I, knew that, I noticed during that discussion that there were quick talkers and there are slow talkers. Now, the quick talkers just jump. They jump on every conversation. They feel like they're going to need to express every idea, every opinion that pops into their head every time. Slow talkers are every bit as smart, sometimes much smarter than the quick talkers. They often have deep feelings and valuable input to share. But I tell you, if the chairman doesn't do his job, their voices don't always get heard because the quick talkers just dominate the conversation. Now, friends, we know that's true not just at board tables. Man, that's true at the family dinner table. That's true at the coffee tables where our life groups, you know, come around and study the Bible together. Now, one of the things that we have to train every one of our small group leaders to do is to handle that person who wants to dominate every conversation. And we all know people like that. Now, here's the problem for our board or for your marriage or family or life group or, or at work or wherever. Everybody needs a chance to talk. Slow talkers and quick talkers. And this is especially true in families. Now, friends, in family, if everybody's perspective is going to be honored, then everybody feels loved and everybody feels like their opinion is valued. And that's what we want, right? But listen, if you're a verbal dominator, everybody thinks and feels like you don't value anybody's position except your own. And I don't think that's the message any of us want our family to get, is it? So if you're a quick talker, you've got to become self-aware. Man, you need to keep track of how much you're talking. And when you realize you probably talked enough, you ought to stop talking. And if you're a slow talker, dude, you need to step it up. Man, your family needs your opinion. It's valuable. You're on that board and in that family or in that life group for a reason. God wants your perspective shared. And so you need to get into the game. Now, here we are. Compassion is just us in these seven little rooms. We're all just family here. By raise of hands, how many of you tend to be quick talkers? Raise your hand if you're a quick talker. And it's legal to elbow somebody right now who is a quick talker, but they're lying in church because they don't have their hand up, all right? Let me see the hands of all the quick talkers one more time. Let me see them. All right, all right, good, 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 good. Now, slow talkers, listen to me very carefully. In about seven seconds, I'm going to ask you to identify yourself. And I don't want to catch you off guard. I'm giving you some time to ramp it up here. You still got a couple seconds. So slow talkers, can we see your hands? If you're shy, kind of a slow talker there. All right, good. Now y'all can fight about who told the truth and who didn't in the car on the way home later on today. All right. But quick talkers, I want you to read the words of God with me. Y'all ready? Big voice like a lion. Here we go, y'all. Wise people think carefully before speaking. Quick talkers, God loves you. And the rest of us are trying. <laughs> Solomon will counsel you to think before you talk. Man, raise your self-awareness about how much you're talking, man. Ask a trusted friend from time to time, am I talking too much? Man, am I dominating conversation? Think like an environmentalist and try to decrease your verbal footprint. <laughs> Slow talkers, summon your courage. Your voice needs to be heard. Man, raise your hand every now and then. Jump into the battle. If you're shy, if you're a slow talker, read the words of God with me. Now, I mean it now. Read it with me. Big voice. Come on. 
Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those who are being crushed. Listen, sometimes slow talkers need to remind themselves that there's a lot at stake, especially if God gives you the opportunity to lead something where you represent people who have no voice and you're the one who needs to speak up for those folks. Parents and others of you who lead family discussions, every now and then you may have to pipe down the quick talkers in your family. You may need to even pull somebody aside and say, look, quit talking over the top of your sister. And you may need to draw out the slow talkers so that everybody at the table will feel like they're included at this table or at the coffee table or at the board table. So I think Solomon would say, be wise with your words. Words can change us, not always for good. So be wise. Now, I know this next thing seems going to seem obvious, but it's so important for families. I think Solomon would say, let your words be kind. Now, friends, the proverb that's helped me the most in measuring my words and dealing with conflict in my family and here at church and, and everywhere is Proverbs 15.1. This is my favorite verse. So let's say it all together. East, Evingham, join us now. Let's say this all together. A soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. Now, friend, I believe every time you walk up to some kind of fiery conflict, you got a bucket of gas in one hand and you got a bucket of water in the other. And if you pour the gas, it blows up. And if you pour the water, it goes out. And you choose which one you're going to use every time. Man, to switch analogies here, if you can think of your tongue like a verbal thermostat that actually determines the relational climate of your home, Man, you're on your way. Look at what Solomon says. Proverbs eleven seventeen. Your kindness will reward you, but cruelty will destroy you. Destroy families, destroy relationships. Proverbs 16, 21. Pleasant words are persuasive. Someone has said you're never persuasive when you're abrasive. And I think that's true. Proverbs 16, 24. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, healthy for the body. On the other hand, if your words are harsh, and crude and negative and incendiary. You know, the outcome is 100% predictable. Tempers are gonna flare, amperage is gonna escalate, decibels are gonna double, and pretty soon you got yourself a good old fashioned shouting match with wild emotional accusations and fingers pointing and veins popping and doors slamming. You ever seen one of those? You ever been involved in one of those? It's heartbreaking. So let me ask you the hard question. You ever started one of those shouting matches? How often does that happen around you? Because if you're the common denominator for a lot of harsh communication, that ought to tell you something. Dude, the clue phone's ringing. It's for you. Now, if I could show you a plan that would double your satisfaction in, in the relationship you have with the person who grates on you the most in 30 days, how many of you would be interested? Double the satisfaction that you have with a person that grates on you the most in 30 days. And if you're not interested, seek professional help. Okay, I'm just saying. I read a, a book this week that blew my hair back. Blew it off, <laughs> I'm telling you. The, the book is called The Kindness Challenge by Shanti Feldman. Now, Shanti is a Harvard uh, grad, uh, graduate. Uh, she worked as an analyst on Wall Street for years and years and years. 
Uh, today, she's a follower of Jesus. She lives in Atlanta. Uh, she has written some amazing books, you know, using her research acumen uh, to study relationships. She wrote a book, you know, uh, you know, for women about loving and receiving love from a man. Uh, she wrote a book for men about loving and receiving love from a woman. Uh, man, she's done all kind of research on building a strong marriage. She is an amazing writer. Anything she's written, you ought to read. But the book that I read this week that just knocked me for a loop is called The Kindness Challenge. Now, in her research of people who took this kindness challenge, you know, 67% said their relationship got better in 30 days. I mean, of the couples who took this challenge, those who said they were happy in their marriage increased by 100%. I mean, from 37 to 72% in 30 days. Now, this graphic reflects her findings when this book was published. Shanti says since then, man, they found that 89% of the couples said that in their relationships, when they tried this kindness challenge, they, they markedly improved in 30 days. Now, last week I showed you this graphic, which is, um, you know, it's about couples who live together, uh, they're married, and yet emotionally they just go farther and farther and farther apart. They drift or drift. And last week I reminded you that when you see this drift, somebody needs to stop it. And you need to do something. If you do something right there, it, it'll, it'll stop the drift. It'll pull things back together and, and you'll get back together a lot faster than you drifted apart. I know many of you are thinking, Cam, that makes perfect sense to me, but what do you do? I mean, what is the thing that you do that, that, that pulls this thing back together? And I'm going to recommend that you take this kindness challenge for 30 days. Now, here's how it works. It's just three simple steps. Now, I said simple, not easy, because you need to buckle up. You ride this horse for 30 days and I guarantee you, your marriage will get better because the apostle Paul wrote in Galatians 5, that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness. Everybody say kindness. kindness. Friends, anybody who is a follower of Jesus has this miraculous Holy Spirit empowered capacity to show kindness to the meanest people in their life. That power is already in your heart. It is already in your mind. The only question is whether you will use it or not. So here's the kindest challenge. And listen, man, you can only do this for one person at a time. But here's how it works. 30-day kindness challenge. Say nothing negative about your person, either to them or about them, to anybody else for 30 days. You got the person in mind right now? You're going to fast from negativity for 30 days. Don't say anything negative about them. Don't say anything negative about them to anybody else for 30 days. Now, if negative feedback is unavoidable because you're a boss or a teacher or a coach or a parent, and you need to address a mistake, then find a constructive way and an encouraging way to do it without a negative tone. Nothing negative about your person, either to them or to anybody else about them for 30 days. Number two, find one positive thing that you can sincerely praise or affirm about your person and tell them, and then tell somebody else every day for 30 days. And then every day for 30 days, do a small act of kindness or generosity for your person. Get them a cup of coffee without them having to ask for it for 30 days. Those three efforts will change you and they'll change them now, friends, Ms. Fellum's research has shown that these three disciplines form kind of a molecule that can break through all kinds of relational problems. They're kind of like H2O. 
You know, you take two hydrogen atoms and, and one oxygen atom and alone, they can't do much of anything at all. But man, you bond them together and they form the most life-giving substance on earth, which we call water. Now listen, if you're struggling with somebody, some spouse or child or relative or life group member or whoever, <clears throat> I want to encourage you to unleash the fruit of the Holy Spirit of kindness on them for 30 days and just watch what happens. And friends, it is not as easy as it looks, but I'll tell you, it works on spewers and it works on stewers. You know what I'm talking about? People who just spew all over everybody every time they get angry, every time something doesn't go their way. And stewers, you know, those people who fold their little arms and get really quiet and they might not talk for days because they're ticked off and they're fretting and grumbling and things are not going their way. But I'll tell you what, that kind of behavior, that spewing and stewing is what causes relationships to do like this. And if you will try this kindness challenge, it will bring those relationships back together. Now, I know everybody in this room already thinks that you are kind, right? But let me ask you a couple questions. Are you ever sarcastic? Do you ever criticize? Do you ever complain? Are you easily exasperated? Do you ever roll your eyes at the person who grates on you? Do you ever do heavy sighs when you have to do anything for them? Because if you do any of those things, you are not as kind as you think. All of those things are kindness neutralizers. You think you're kind, but when you do that stuff, I'm telling you, you don't come off kind. Imagine what the Holy Spirit would do if hundreds of us took this 30-day challenge and we treated our spouse with kindness and then the competition in our house began to be who could be the most kind. And friends, you don't have to imagine. You can just try it for 30 days. And if you don't know how to do it, just get the book. Man, if you need help, the book will help. But I'm telling you, instead, you know, of every time you get around this person, you just pull the pin and you just toss that verbal grenade in there. You know, every time somebody disappoints you, try the discipline of taking a breath and responding with kind words. Try kindness for 30 days and see what happens. Now, I'm not talking about being nice. I'm not talking about being sweet. I'm talking about leveraging kindness like it is a superpower that God gave you when he gave you the Holy Spirit. And if you have the will to try it, write me 30 days. And I know some of y'all are thinking right now, is there a two-day kindness challenge that we get? No, that one doesn't work. Write me in 30 days and tell me your story about summoning your courage and trusting the Lord and speaking with kindness and how it changed your relationship with that person who's driving you crazy. So I think if Solomon could be here to give us some advice, he would say, let your words be few. I think he would say, let your words be kind. And then one more, I think he would say, let your words be life-giving. You know, I think the most God-like trait that we have inherited from our creator is the ability to speak situations into existence. You know, if you read Genesis, God spoke the world into existence. It's a beautiful thing. Man, we speak and our words produce peace in our home. We speak and our children develop godly self-esteem. We speak and our wives feel loved. We speak and our husbands feel respected. Proverbs 10, 11 says, the words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. Proverbs 10, 20 says, the words of the godly are like sterling silver. They're super valuable. Proverbs 12, 18 says, the words of the wise bring healing. Man, 
Words can heal relationships that have been broken for a long time. Now, I heard Rich DeVos, who's the owner of the Orlando Magic at a leadership retreat a few years ago, and he was talking with us about leadership. And he said, guys, there are a few phrases that I've used all my life that I think have empowered the success that I've enjoyed. And then he just starts rattling off these phrases. They just roll right off his tongue. You can do this. I believe in you. I trust you. I need you. Man, I'm proud of you. I respect you. Thank you. I love you. And I'm telling you, when he finished that list of phrases, I realized that billionaire business titan figured out early in his life that Solomon was right. Man, words can change people. The words we speak can change people. Man, words can bully people who are faint of heart. They can heal the deepest wounds. They can comfort the grieving, give hope to the hopeless. Words through worship. Man can make heaven smile and put hell on the run. Words, our words can change people, change us. And so I want to end my words in this message today by helping you practice some of these life-giving phrases that Mr. DeVos has used to build his family and his ministry and his business. And my prayer is that if we can just practice them a little bit, that these phrases will get loaded into your mind and they'll come back to your mouth at some appropriate time and you use your words to change people. Here's some life-giving words I want you to practice with me. Number one, I believe in you. You know, there's somebody in your life right now to whom that would mean the world. If you would look them in the eye and say, I am confident in you. You're going to get through this thing. You are going to make it. I absolutely know it. I believe in you. Y'all, let's say this all together. Come on. I believe in you. The next one, I trust you. Who needs to hear you say that today? You know, I used to say that to my boys when they're going out on a date, uh, when they're going off on some trip with a church or with a ball team or something like that. Cam, I trust you, bro. Harrison, I trust you, pal. Garrett, I trust you, man. And you know, my kids would look back at me and they'd be like, I don't think I want to break that trust. And you know, the power of just saying those words creates a sense of, of who you are to me and what that means. Now, let me ask you a question. Who in your circle of friends will be blessed if you said those words today? You said it to them. I trust you. Come on, let's practice it one time. I trust you. The next one, I need you. Men hate to say these words. They would lie before saying these words. They hate these words. So many of us never want to say these words. It makes us feel weak. It makes us feel dependent. But you know what? These words have amazing power. Many, many years ago, I got really frustrated during a time of intense attack. It was an attack on me, attack on my leadership here. And, you know, I know that's hard to believe now because, you know, God is blessing so much. And those days are way behind us. And I thank God, I thank God that they are. But I'm telling you, it was a hyper discouraging time in my life. And my phone is just ringing, ringing, ringing all the time with other churches saying, Cam, come be our pastor. Come to Colorado. Come to California. Come be our pastor. And you know, I started thinking, you know what? You know, maybe my run here is over. And so I went to visit one of those churches. And I didn't tell a soul. But one of my friends found out about it. And this friend came from a really horrible situation. And when they got to our church, they met the Lord. And God did a miracle in their family through our church because of Jesus. And when he heard that I had been interviewed by another church, he wrote me a letter that basically said, Cam, we love you, man. And we know you can leave here anytime you want to. 
And you can have a great ministry anywhere you go. But we just want you to know our family needs this church. And we need you at this church. And we need you as our pastor. And I'm telling you, man, that letter rang my bell. It reminded me that sometimes, you know, when you're in conflict, just pressing through is worth it. It makes a difference. And that letter encouraged those words. I need you encouraged me. Powerful words. And you've got somebody in your life that needs to hear that from you today. So let's say it all together. Let's practice. I need you. Here's another phrase. I'm proud of you. You know, I always was hesitant to use that phrase with my boys because, you know, the Bible warns about pride. And I mean, pride is just, you know, the worst thing. But there's a healthy pride as well. And I, I think of it not so much as pride, but as gratitude. And that's how we use it in the Huxford family. And, you know, when my son Garrett decided to go to Ecuador as a missionary and plant a church there, and he didn't speak Spanish, but before he came back after two years, he was preaching in Spanish. I'm telling you, I was so thankful for him. And every time I talked to him on the phone, I'd say, Garrett, man, I'm so proud of you. When my son Harrison, you know, came back from California to help us launch a church out in Statesboro and he broke his back launching that campus 50 miles away. Every time we talk about it, I just tell him, man, I'm so proud of you. My son Cam, you know, lives out in Seattle and he's worked really hard uh, producing worship music out there that churches now are doing all over the country. And he's got a new album coming out soon. And, and every time we talk about what God is doing through him, I just tell him, I said, son, I'm, Cam, I'm, I'm just so proud of you. When my amazing daughters, you know, discipline their kids and, and teach them God's word and, and love my sons, I just tell them, Haley, I'm so proud of you. Lindsay, I'm proud of you. Megan, I'm so proud of you. You know, when my Sarah just pours her heart out, teaching the word of Jesus to a room full of fired up godly women, and she comes home and tells me about all the things that God did, and, and I always just say, baby, I'm so proud of you, Sarah. Now, let's practice saying that, shall we? I'm proud of you. Somebody in your life needs to hear these words from you before they go to sleep tonight. And you know who they are. Call them up. Call them up. Say those words. Now, Mom, here's one for you. And it's not the way you think. Put the gun down, ma'am. All right, here we go. Thank you. Have you ever wondered what you could say to your husband that would make him feel the way you feel when he says, I love you. This is it. This is what your husband is dying to hear from you. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for taking care of our home. Thank you for protecting our family. Thank you for being faithful day in and day out. I see what you did with the yard. I see what you're doing at the church. I see what you're doing and I appreciate it. I'm telling you, every man wonders how he measures up in his wife's eyes. Don't let how we act on the outside fool you. Every man wonders how we measure up in our wife's eyes. And when he hears you say these words, it's like oxygen to him. So let's practice one time, everybody. Here we go. Thank you. All right, and then here's one final phrase. These are the most powerful three words in the English language. You know what they are. I love you. Guys, Sunday is Mother's Day. And when you say these words out loud in front of people to the mother of your children, it makes a difference. Just say it out loud. I love you. I love you enough to stop and turn around and look you in the eye and listen when you talk. 
I love you for the home you make for us. I love you for the children you gave me. I love you for the blessing you are to me. I love you enough to be kind with you. She needs to see it. She needs to hear it. She needs you to say it. I love you. Practice it with me one time, guys. Here we go. I love you. Now, friends, God has said these words a dozen times in a dozen different places all through the Bible because he knows these words will change us. Man, he wants his eternal word to record how he feels so that anybody in the world in any century can just pick up the Bible and read the fact that God loves us. Doesn't matter what kind of hole you've dug for yourself. It doesn't matter how long you've been away from me. Doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made. My love for you is unconditional and unstoppable. I love you. I love you. I love you. Friends, we love God because he loved us. And he told us that over and over and over again. And you have family members who need to hear those words of love from you, whether they ever say so or not, whether they return your love or not. Because friends, words are a superpower God has given you to communicate your love to your family. And I'm just praying we'll use them in a wise way. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity we have to be together today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for saying how you love us. We thank you, Lord, for the encouragement you give us. We thank you for the kindness that you've shown us. Romans chapter 2 says it is your kindness, Lord, that leads us to you. And I pray, God, that we will, we will leverage that power, that we will leverage that strength in our families. Lord, we need it. We need to show it. We need to receive it. And I pray, God, that you would use this message to just push us toward using our words in ways that will bless our family and make it strong. And we pray this, Lord, in Jesus' strong name. Amen.